Hello again, Radio Verulam. Mr Pettit here from Verulam School, introducing episode three already of my history podcast series for our local radio station. These podcasts provide local stories from St Albans that link into broader narratives and events of British history. Some of the podcasts are written and delivered by boys from Verulam School, and I wanted to give these students an opportunity to share stories to their local community and explore their local history. This week, GCC historians Ronan and Logan, two brothers in year 11, give us an insight into an intriguing story about an ordinary village just outside of St Albans that is full of mystery and secrecy. Ailt St Lawrence, a quiet, everyday village in Hertfordshire, nothing special. There's a certain manor there called Bride Hall, near to Shaw's Corner. Most wouldn't give it a second glance. Divulge into its history, however, and there is a wealth of knowledge and secrecy. Bride Hall has had many different owners ever since it was first referenced in 1150, when a certain P.S. matron, Thur Fleder, gifted it to the abbot of St. Albans Abbey. It was bought by Ralph Round, who is an ancestor of Diana, Princess of Wales herself. And then, in 1606, it was bought by the Gerard family, who owed it for 300 years, until 1928. And then it was bought by a different family, and by all this history, we can see that it has a pretty uneventful history, not much going on, it's quite quiet. But this completely changed in 1940, when the Second World War started to get into full swing. This it was commandeered by the Special Operations Executive, and was Experimental Station 6 of the Weapons Acquisition Section. We'll talk more about that section later. After it was occupied by the Special Operations Executive, it helped test secretive weapons for the French resistance and helped them plant seeds for the liberation of France. And one of these weapons that Bride Hall helped to test was the Railwad, and this was a bolt-action, magazine-fed, suppressed pistol that was developed by Major Hugh Reeves, and he was one of the most successful scientists and inventors at the station. As well as designing this weapon, he designed the motorised submersible canoe, and this is nicknamed Sleeping Beauty, as a passing officer found him sleeping in it. Tragically, he died in an accident, but he was doing what he loved, and this was all the way ahead in 25th of October 1955, and we can only hope that he's enjoyed that and his family remembers him for all the courageous work that he did while working right next to us in Wedding Garden City. This station produced 2,800 railwads and they also helped develop other weapons like the whale bike and this was the brainchild of Harry Lester. He was a special executive's motorcycle enthusiast and this helped to transport troops because it was really foldable and portable and could be used with paratroopers out of planes and lots of other resistance groups like the French and the Belgium, they had versions of this bike themselves, so it was quite popular in World War II. And as well as helping these weapons, Station 6 was assigned to weapons acquisition, and this was when they put out adverts and calls to the public to donate weapons, any weapons they had, or spare materials, scrap materials that can be helped to make those weapons. And they did this in 1942, in July, and then again in September 1943. And this was just a year before D-Day, so those stations would be full at work making, preparing weapons for the invasion and preparing training troops. And Logan will talk about more of the training of the troops and other stations around it later. But my teacher actually showed me a very astonishing picture of boys from my school, the Verulam boys, 
donating weapons and scrap materials to Station 6 and it really puts a uh, thought back to me that, I can, that people from my school have, you know, I can, I can trace them back that far back. 70 years or so. And I'm gonna hand over to Logan now. He's gonna talk about the rest of the stations and how it helped to push back Hitler and the Nazi regime. Thank you. Churchill's mission with all of these different stations was to set Europe ablaze. And set Europe ablaze they did. The SOE had many different stations. One of these being the Bride Hall and many others right near where we all live and work, such as two in Stevenage, the one in Wellen that Ronan talked about earlier, and one just outside St Albans in Old Gorhambury Estate. This led to the SOE having a nickname of Stately Omes of England, which is a very accurate nickname considering the vast amount of estates and manors that they acquired. Through these estates and manors, they did many different operations, one of which was research and development as Ronan said in Wellen, where they developed more cliche and out-of-the-box items such as exploding pens, tobacco pipe guns and suicide pills disguised as coat buttons to make sure the resistance fighters wouldn't have to reveal sensitive information to the SS officers that might have captured them. Another function that the stations provided was the training of resistance fighters that would be sent out to Europe to disrupt the Axis occupation in the different cities of Europe, such as Paris and Berlin and all of the other different capitals of Axis-occupied Europe. All of these different stations led to war-changing events, such as Operation Anthropoid, which was the assassination of a high-ranking SS officer, Reinhard Heydrich. Through these many different operations, the SOE helped to set up resistances and disrupt Axis occupation in Europe. Wow! Who would have thought that a small village and hall in Ayotte St Lawrence could have such a rich history behind it, especially given its special role in the secret missions during World War II? Thanks Ronan and Logan for such a great story. Another brilliant episode of the Verulam School History Podcasts here on Radio Verulam.